your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Locked on Coyotes, number one daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes. Today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app and create an account. Use the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. I'm your host, Robin Leonio, and I want to thank everyone for making this show your first listen every day. We are free and available everywhere you get your podcast, including on YouTube, and also now on the SiriusXM SXM app. Just be sure to download that and search up Locked on Coyotes. We got a great another bonus episode for you guys today. It is part three of our conversation with Kyle Pereira as our our draft expert that we've talked to all week long as he breaks down multiple of the top prospects available in the upcoming draft. Part three coming up. This is our final part, so be sure to hear what his final bits, his final thoughts of the upcoming draft. So just be sure. Just stay locked in. And that's the good last to hear. jack of all and- trades player you hyped me up. Well, you didn't hype me up, but the last jack of all player, uh, jack of all trades player you, you brought up to me was Manix Landry. And I'm so sad how that one turned out. And I can't, can't <laughs> it's hit not on you. It's not on that was like, a, like a sixth round pick. That That's literally, hey, I, I he has some things I like, he has some things I don't like, kind of a thing. That was just that's the last time you told me about like a Swiss Army type player <laughs> with Manix Landry. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Um, but but Matthew, one thing you brought up too, and I kind of want to, it it, it it intrigued me in some ways when you when we kind of talked about you know, hey, you can get a a, a top nine you know top nine anchor. It made me interested because like imagine you know fitting that, knowing the Coyotes have a player like currently like Lawson Krause who fits right there under the top nine. You put them to, you put them together. It intrigues me. Yeah, and then you have Michelli right there to essentially just act as I'm just gonna kind of circle around and make really pretty passes, and then whenever they forget I'm there, I'm gonna snipe about twelve to twenty goals. <laughs> if it works. <laughs> I, I mean, look, it, that third line just just I, I'll go with with even though Michelli is probably a, a second liner, but let's go with Michelli, Kraus, and, and Leonard. That third line reminds me a lot of uh, a few years ago when I was a Vegas fan looking at how Vegas had a really consistent and deadly top six, or sorry, top nine, it kind of just reminds me of that. And if you have players that probably should be on the second line playing on your third and your system can properly account for it and, and accommodate all of it, and you have essentially three lines that can score no matter what, that, that's just how you build a deep roster for the future. That's how you build a team that can actually compete for a championship. Whether or not they hit it, we'll have to wait and see. But anytime you can give me some Vegas vibes where – hey, uh, this is probably one of the best top nines in the game, or you're adding enough layers to make it potentially, at least in the upper the upper 10, upper upper 15 top nines, I'm all on board. I'm uh, You already got my interest. <laughs> kind of reminds me that the hypothetical third line you threw out there, probably more skill, like raw skill, but reminds me of the Gord, uh, Goudreau, Coleman line for Tampa and their two cup runs. Like that's, that is a really good third line. And, that would really that would be something. I love that comparison. Coyotes fans should be excited to hear a comparison like that. 
they should be like, wait, we're going to win back-to-back cups? That is right. <laughs> and, and, and depending on your perspective, it's either going to be in a college arena, at the Suns arena, or in Houston. But we're going to win back-to-back cups. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Anyway, let's get let's get back on the draft talk. I'm I'm going to stop being an idiot trying to make people laugh now. Let's get back to the draft. So if the Coyotes play this smart, let's just say that the stars align. Ryan Bacher falls to 12, so they pick Benson at six, Ryan Bacher at 12. Do you think there's anyone else as a sleeper pick the Coyotes should be really really considering trading back up between 20 and 30? You know, get those couple second round picks because if you can get a a first round asset and that player hits, the second round picks really don't matter in in that regard as long as you're being smart with it. Do you see any other sleeper picks that the Coyotes should really have an eye on and really should be making a couple of calls if they get these players that they want? We'll get right back to our conversation with Kyle in just a moment, but we have a word from Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets, their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Look, I'm always trying to get tickets to, like, indoor football games, maybe some Mercury games. And what I'm probably going to have to do is go ahead and check out Game Time so I can get the best possible price, and you probably should as well. Uh, snag your tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. There's a couple that come to mind. We talked about Tom Willander already, um, and I feel like I've kind of given a good impression on him uh, to you guys. So I'll, I'll, I'll just throw – that's a name out there. But, um, man, Nate Danielson and Gavin Brindley are, are two guys that I really, really like um, who very well could be there at the 20 to 30 range. Danielson more so. Um, but for Brindley – He's a guy who I have ranked in my top 10. He, I'm at, he's at my nine spot. I forgot to mention him uh, at the beginning when you asked me for my top 10. One, un- subconsciously, I didn't think of it at all. So it's not like, you know, I did this on purpose. But also, I kind of maybe subconsciously felt I should make this claim later on. Um, but the reason I didn't, or not the reason I didn't mention Brindley, but a good reason why I didn't mention Brindley earlier uh, that I'm thankful I didn't is because I wanted to impress you now with him. Um, he's a guy that's really overlooked. And I think, you know, I love Fantilli. He's a number two pick. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be a great player, but I think Gavin Brindley did a lot of the weight pulling for Michigan that maybe flew a little bit under the radar um, because, oh, he's playing with Fantilli. He's given more room to work with. I don't think that that's the case. I mean, he was, the guy in transition for Michigan, carrying the puck up ice. He was the guy. It wasn't Fantilli. I've tracked, I want to say, seven or eight Michigan games now. Fantilli was not the guy leading the transition, leading the rush when they were on a line together. It wasn't It wasn't him. It was Brindley. Um, forechecking, he was ridiculous on the forecheck, um, just causing so much disruption. He's small, but he plays like he's three to four inches taller than he is and about 20 to 30 pounds heavier. I mean, he is a buzzsaw on the ice. He's constantly moving his feet, constantly causing chaos for the opponents. And when he forces those turnovers, all that chaos disappears, and he can be very, very meticulous with the puck. 
playmaking, shooting, whatever the case may be. He's a puck hound, but once he gets that puck, he settles things down and he controls the pace of the play in the offensive zone. I think he is by far the most underrated player in the draft class that I've noticed. Um, so I'm, again, I'm very, very high on him. He's good in the defensive zone too. He may not be a game changer, but he's very, very good. He shows those same puck counting abilities in the defensive zone as well. Just a guy that I'm really super high on. Um, and Nate Danielson, that's the concern is I don't think, I don't think Brindley will make it outside the top 20. Um, so if they were to trade up, he might not be available. Um, but Nate Danielson's guy who very well could be taken in the early twenties, uh, I would say between 20, like 18 and 23. Five probably is where I'd have him stuck right now um, based on what I've seen in other rankings. <coughs> excuse me. Um, but he is <coughs> – excuse me again. Jeez. Okay. He's a two-way forward, um, 100%. His value is largely based on his defensive abilities. Um, but he's certainly overlooked for his offensive abilities. not a guy that's going to drive a line on offense like – He's not a guy that you're going to lean on for 50-plus points a year, 40-plus points a year. He's a guy that projects as like a middle six center who can take the tough matchups and thrive in those matchups. Um, I was talk- I don't know if you know Niels, Matt, uh, on Twitter, um, but I was talking to Niels, Vancouver Canucks fan. He's talking about guys that they could pick, and he brought up Nate Danielson. And um, – I look at Nate Danielson as a Sorelli light, like Anthony Sorelli light where he'll play the tough matchups. He'll do really well. And he'll also provide a lot of, a little bit of offense too. That's the sort of role I see. Sorelli's not an offensively dominant forward by any means. Um, he's not a guy that leads his line. Uh, he plays with Stamkos a lot of the time. And if he's not playing with Stamkos, he's playing with another skilled player. Um, so Sorelli's certainly not a guy that is looked at as the person who carries his line in Tampa. Neither is Nate Danielson. Nate Danielson can move the puck really well. He's really efficient, but he's not flashy. He's very smart, um, but he doesn't play with a whole lot of pace. That's the main concern with Danielson is his offensive upside. But outside of that, the defensive value that he brings, he's so smart. He shuts down uh, offensive zone opportunities for the opponents. He's got a long reach. He's got a big frame. He's not the most physical, but he's tall, and he uses his reach really, really effectively in the defensive zone, angling guys wide, keeping them out of the slot, shutting down passing lanes. Like He is the prototypical defensive zone forward, like could compete for Selkie Trophies-esque defensive value as of now. That could change, obviously, but as of now, I look at him as a guy that could maybe be in a few Selkie ballots if all goes well in his development. I, a couple of things pointed out to me immediately. Uh, so just to, to lock it back onto the Coyotes real quick, Danielson, the way you describe him kind of makes him sound, at least in my opinion, kind of similar to Barrett Hayton, where I, I value him very heavily for his defensive aspect. Uh, the offense was definitely a bit of a question mark, although he did end up kind of hitting his stride, so that's good. Fifth overall pick, you, you kind of hope so. It's, it's unfortunate. You don't, you don't pick where, where you're selected, but it's just kind of it is what it is. Uh, but Brindley, that one, that one perked my ears up a little bit because that sounds like the engine of a line. That sounds like someone almost similar to Leonard, but with a different specialization is kind of how you described it. To where if the Coyotes don't see who they want at twelve, let's say you get Benson, but Reinbacher is gone. There's no defenseman that you value at number twelve. If you could trade back to like sixteen, do you think he'd still be available? Because 
that sounds like that should that be around where he would go. Yeah, again, from what I've seen, I mean, Burnley's highly valued by some and not totally valued by others. So it, it's tough to really pinpoint what Brindley's range is, but mid first is about where I expect him to go. Um, trading back from 12, again, I think that's a great option if those defensemen aren't there or guys that you don't value don't fall to your pick. Um, trading back and getting Brindley, I think, would be an absolute steal uh, of, a, of a selection, um, especially since, again, you're adding value later on in the draft, most likely with later picks if you make that trade. So I think that would be the smartest move if, if those guys aren't available that they value at 12. Like, again, as you mentioned, Mitchkoff's gone. You take Benson already at six. Neither of those two defensemen are there. You don't value Gouliaev or, or Willander as, you know, the number 12 overall picks. You think that'd be too rich for that. You decide to trade back and Brindley's still available. Like that would be a phenomenal selection in, in my opinion. Um, because I, I mean, I also value Brindley really, really highly. Um, so I guess take my word for a grain of salt because he is one of my favorite prospects, but he's been so impressive and certainly a, an engine for a line. Again, he played with Fantilli and there were some games where he was the better player. Um, so, I mean, to say that about a kid who's not even expected to go top 10 blows my mind that that's the case, but that it just is the case, uh, this year. And I think again, if Arizona is able to trade back, get a guy like Brindley and add a pick later on in like the second round, third round, that would be phenomenal by Arizona. We're going to continue our final part of our talk with Kyle Pereira, our draft expert on Locked On Coyotes. Before we get to the final, final thoughts, I will let you guys know today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Are you tired of sacrificing comfort for style when it comes to your activewear? Introducing Bird Dogs, the game changer in the flex shorts. Picture this premium shorts designed for maximum performance combined with unparalleled comfort. Bird Dogs are here to revolutionize your workout routine with a unique built-in liner. These shorts offer the ultimate support and flexibility, ensuring you stay comfortable even during the most intense workouts. Here's the best part. Bird Dogs are more than just workout gear. They're versatile enough to take you from the gym to the street without skipping a beat. Designed with pockets that actually work, Bird Dogs give you ample space to store your essentials while you're on the move. Bird Dogs are made of premium, breathable fabric that keep you cool and dry throughout your activities. Perfect for the trails, the gym, or simply just lounging around. Bird Dogs are the shorts that you've been searching for. So order your pair of Bird Dogs today and join the thousands of satisfied customers who have made the switch. Visit birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL and enter the promo code LockedOnNHL to get a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Bird Dogs, where style meets comfort, performance meets perfection. Get yours now and unleash your true potential. But what if they took him at 12? Is it, it at that 12th overall selection, is is Brindley just on the surface maybe a little rich for that? Is it just optics could be a little rich? Do you think the Coyotes potentially could just not value him that high? But if they took him at 12, do you feel confident that would be a decent value for that selection? Absolutely. In my opinion, that's a great pick. Again, I have him at nine. He's a top 10 pick on my board. Um, so he's absolutely, if he's there at 12, I would take him. I mean, I would take the risk on him. Uh, because not a lot of people view it the same way as I do. Um, so I think it's more optics. I think people are going to look at that and be like, what are they What are they doing? Brindley's not that good. Like, 
What about I don't know who's another guy that is uh, Oliver Moore, Gabe Pearl, guys like that. I was on the say, like Dvorsky, he'll probably right, go somewhere yeah. around you know that range. Right. So if you guys take him over, you know, one of those guys or all of those guys, some people, uh, other fan bases will probably even some in the Coyotes fan base, I'm sure, will be scratching their heads, thinking, you know, what are what are we doing here? Like, why are we taking this guy? This guy played second fiddle to Fantilli, right? That's not the case. And I think a lot of people overlook that. I don't think enough people looked close enough um, at his game to truly see that he was not playing second fiddle to Fantilli. If anything, he had a balance where, okay, Fantilli is, you know, skating the puck up ice. He goes and finds the soft spot in coverage, opens up a passing lane for Fantilli to exploit. And in another case, it would be him carrying the puck and Fantilli would do the same for him. They kind of played off of each other. And to play off of an elite player takes an elite level player to do. So in my opinion, Brinley's overlooked just because, yes, he's small, but just because he played with Fantilli. And I think that's just ridiculous um, that people would overlook him for that reason. You know, I, I do feel like based off the way, like it kind of explains, for some reason, it just sounds like something that like is a very Bill Armstrong move. Like you know, to to, to make because like we've seen what Bill Armstrong has done in the last two drafts that he's done, and he's done made some interesting moves that some people question, but they they tend to work out in the end. Or there's like, oh, that was actually ended up being better than we thought. I know a lot of people question the Fedotov pick, but I, I, that might be the year before, so I want to make sure I'm being careful with this. Uh, but I, I had one other. A question I really want to get to. We're talking a lot about the, the first round, a little bit touching on the second round, but pretty much anyone that is smart in this business knows that I'll just go ahead and kind of paraphrase what the hockey guys say because I do think this is pretty good. You, you have to be able to hit on your first you know, round draft picks, but you also have to hit on, on the later rounds as well. Is there a couple of guys that you have between, let's say, the late third to around the fifth round that you think are – Good, maybe a little raw, maybe require a little more development, but could be excellent value picks you got you kind of on your mind? There's a couple goalies. Um, Jacob Fowler in the uh, USHL is a guy that I really value. Um, he's not really on the radar because there's a few really good goalies, Michael Rabel, Carson Bjarnason, Trey Augustine, really good goalies that could go um, anywhere from the late first to the – late second kind of range. So Jacob Fowler is a little bit overlooked, I would say, uh, for goalies who could go in that range. I think he's he brings good value. Oh, why can't I think of his name right now? It's uh, a double overager, similar to J.J. Moser. Why can't – he plays in the NCAA, and I can't think of his name right now. We can um, talk about T.J. Septonfelter if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's an in joke, right? You guys are. Uh, I was trying to get him to scout TJ for what two months. <laughs> yeah, it, every time I posted, I, I did polls for for my followers saying, you know, who do you want to see next on a scouting report? And every single time, without fail, <laughs> you would always come in. <laughs> so, um, I wish I can. I wish I could think of his name right now because I I just had him doing research for for the upcoming mock for last word, and I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. I'm blanking on it. But it, there's a couple of NCAA guys, uh, double overrators. I know Brett Berard or Brady Berard, I can't think of his name, is one of them. Um, Tyler Duke um, is another guy, Dylan Duke's brother, um, t- former Tampa Bay Lightning or 
current Tampa Bay Lightning prospect, Dylan Duke's brother, um, defenseman, and uh, I believe he's still playing in the USHL. I could be wrong, and that's a bad look on me. Um, but Tyler Duke's a guy that I really like. I think for a smaller defenseman playing a more defensively focused game, um, people are lower on him for that reason. They don't think his defensive game will translate because of his size. And his offense isn't the most, I guess, projectable. Um, but he's a guy that I really like. I think he plays a really well-balanced game. He's really good transitionally, and his defensive game is solid. If he can gain some more weight and grow a little bit more over the next couple of years, I think he could be a really intriguing prospect, sort of in the similar mold as um, Montreal's defensive prospect there that played in the World Junior. I'm forgetting a bunch of names right now. Um, <laughs> not as not as highly offensive as that. I can't think of his name. That's really bothering me. I'm blanking on a lot of names, but um, not as offensively oriented, but certainly valuable or could be valuable in that sense as a more undersized defenseman. Um, but he's an intriguing name to go in the third, fourth round. Yeah. All right. That, that's, that's all I wanted to know because we, we had this nice little deep dive on the first rounder. So I could pretend I know what I'm talking about on day one, but day two really is, Look, Pavel Datsuk is is the outlier. You're not going to grab Pavel Datsuk every single you know late round, every single year. But if you can hit on enough of those depth picks, enough of those depth guys, I, I feel like that also helps you build out the roster. Or, hey, we don't need this guy that can play second-line center we got in the, in the fourth round. Let's trade him for a first-rounder and or something we can actually use. Like, we need a second-line defenseman, a right-shot defenseman. Boom, there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to handle your assets down the line. I mean, I look at a, a team like Tampa Bay that does that, for the most part, to a T, um, where they're drafting and developing. Um, Nick Perbix this year was a prime example of that. Ross Colton is another example of that in terms of uh, handling uh, assets. I think the trade with um, Cole Kepke and Taylor Radish, and those, or not Cole Kepke, sorry, Taylor Radish and Boris Katchuk, um, for Tampa, being able to acquire depth pieces like Nick Paul and and the other guy, I mean, guys that brought in the uh, Cal Foot trade, uh, another one like trading these prospects that they don't need now for guys that can help their cup runs. It, trading Nolan Foot, a former first round pick, um, and that allowed them to bring in a depth. I can't remember who he was traded. New Jersey, uh, Blake Coleman. There you go. I had to remind myself there, but he was traded for Blake Coleman, who played an instrumental role in their back to back cup wins. Um, so if Arizona can sort of build that sort of um, repertoire cupboard for prospects to be able to say, all right, now we have a team. It's time to build that team. We have a surplus of prospects that we don't need right now because they aren't giving us NHL value. Let's trade them for, for guys at the deadline to take us that next step and potentially win a cup. That's what I love to hear. Honestly, I've never, I've always wondered why maybe we'll have to talk about it another day, but I've always wondered why, these really successful organizations never found that right balance of sustained success while also having a good prospect pool that they continue to maintain. A lot of the times it's either you start getting some bad drafts or you're trading away too many assets, too many picks, and you're not finding that right balance. But if the Coyotes can follow the Tampa mold, look, I just want my one cup, all right? I, I, I've dealt with this team's BS my entire life. They could relocate after the cup. It could be a lame duck season. We are relocating after this. As long as they lift that cup, I'm fine. I just want the one. 
So anything else is get to that one cup. All I'm, all saying, all I'm saying is you say that now when you don't have one, but the minute you win one, it's <laughs> addictive, you know? <laughs> uh, that, that explains why, why you're like, hey, let's go for three. I'm like, dog, you got two. I know, but I want that third one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, as a as a lightning fan that resides in Boston, being able to brag every year about a cup is just so beautiful to me. So I'll take it all. <laughs> Absolutely love to hear that. Well, I think we're we're just about out of time. Um, Kyle, really appreciate you coming on this show. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, allow you to kind of uh, promote yourself and tell tell our listeners where to find you, uh, so uh, you can get some some more followers. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm a writer for Last Word on Sports. I know you mentioned that earlier, but um, Last Word on Sports, we have a great prospect crew. Um, so definitely not just my work, but the whole site's work on prospects has been excellent this year. Um, so definitely check the site out. Uh, as for me personally, my Twitter is at uh, Pereira underscore report, uh, Pereira, P-E-R-E-I-R-A, and report, obviously spelled report. Um, on Twitter, I post about prospects, of course. Um, but I've also done a lot of research into player development patterns, and I'll continue that research moving forward. I know Matt's got some inside looks at that chaos of a spreadsheet. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been working on. So I'm going to keep that pumping out. A lot of people love uh, reading into it. I think it's extremely intriguing as well. So if you're kind of a, a hockey nerd and, and love learning about the little in intricacies and, and patterns in hockey, um, definitely check that stuff out because I'll keep posting about it. Awesome. We have to call you Money Puck or something. Like, we got to give you a cool name. Like, that's one of the well, not one of the main reasons you're a friend of mine, but also you know your stuff. But the the, the peaks you keep giving me of just this insane, like wh whatever the hell it is you're doing with your free time, like like a madman, like a mad scientist in the lab. Like it just it, it shows that not only do you know what you're talking about, but you're trying to like revolutionize something i don't know how else to describe it other than then like you're trying to like hey you, you thought this that that actually doesn't matter of uh, who this player is playing with this matters more and stuff like that so it's like i i feel like your name is going to be in the history books kid and, and i'll okay. keep exploiting you as long as you'll let me before you're too big to answer my texts i hope i can be in the history books that'd be that'd be something hopefully soon fingers crossed <laughs> well, Kyle, really appreciate you coming on, and we really appreciate all our listeners for tuning into to, uh, the show. We, you know, really appreciate y'all joining us. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Just be sure to subscribe, follow, um, follow us, give us a review, a like, comment anywhere. Friends um, on YouTube, everywhere you get your podcasts, including on the Sirius XM Radio app. Just be sure to look up Locked on Coyotes. Interact with our show on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Coyotes. And on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I'm personally at Robin underscore Leonio. Matthew Jacobson is at the AZ Sports Guy. Interact with us. Ask a question you might have. We might answer right back or on a future episode of the Locked on Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us in today's episode. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on.